This the Black Powder Podcast. Kick up your feet, lean on your armrest, and get your mind blessed on this conquest. Hold a grip like a 12 gauge. Let this moment kick. Black people moving and having some gun ownership. I carry weight, not to keep the camera safe. Just thinking about you, my kids, and my parents' faces. The big topics they don't wanna involve us. Think we're novice, but now we're moving hard with revolvers. This the Black Powder Podcast. Let's get it started. Primers hit the powders lit. It's time to get on target. Welcome to another episode of the Black Party Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Yasuke Fett. And just a general reminder of your marching orders and why we have created the Black Powder Podcast. The main mission is to change the social view of black society and firearms. How do we do that? Glad you asked. We talk, walk, read, write, and think about it. To find a better solution for a brighter future for the proper protection of black people. Join us through education, practice, and safety as we take down the stigma of black people and guns one discussion at a time. And we got to get that glory back to where we um, we promote ourselves, you know, and not just look at it and say, oh, okay, cool, thumbs up, like. Have you liked and shared and subscribed? That's what it boils right. down to. Look, if if somebody likes something on my personal page and I'm trying to make sure it gets promoted and I've got it on my my public pages and everything else, um, and it's not getting promoted by other people or helped out or pushed by other people, you're not really helping out. You're just doing a typical action that everybody else is doing. And I'm just using that as an example because if if something as simple as putting a thumbs up on somebody's uh, public post is a difficult thing in our society it only makes me wonder what what else is difficult whenever it comes to actual businesses right you know they, they need to take a page out of the the owner of slutty vegan's book and don't get me wrong i hate to say it but i don't i'm not a fan of slutty vegan i don't know what it is i just don't like the food but i can support what the owner is doing right you know, it, she will actually go off and I think she'll pay off college debts for seniors. So I can I can right. definitely I can definitely get down with that. Giving back to the community. Right. Exactly. Keeping the community going, building the community up, which uh, like we talked about earlier, black women, I feel like they're protected. If we don't have a community, there will not be protection. Period. Right. Just like if we don't, if we do not continue to create black people, we won't have to worry about protection because the community will not, it won't flourish. There will but still be, if they, if they somehow, some way find a relationship with another person of another race, there will still be protection. But you also have to realize that it's not exactly uh, like, I don't know, what do they call them? The swirlers, right? It's not exactly easy for somebody, a black woman to go get a white man because yeah you might be able to find him, you might be able to hook up but then you got a whole nother plethora of problems in dealing with that person's family their history right. their culture so on and so forth it is not easy it's very hard for two people from different cultures to come together and understand each other completely it's very hard even if you're two black people like for example me and my wife uh we come from two totally different cultures i'm african-american she's jamaican and our cultures and background growing up is totally different. I mean, my 
way I did stuff, I do stuff now is totally different than what she do. You may say phrases or stuff that to her may be offensive the way she grew up and to me it's normal. Or to her, something may be normal and it's offensive to me. So to for two people to come from two totally different backgrounds, that's very hard. I can understand that. But for us to get back to that level or get to a level, because I can't say back. I don't recall in my lifetime where all black men was, you know, unity working together in my lifetime. But to get to that level, it start with us because we're at the bottom of the pole. We're right. at the bottom of the bottom. Everybody's looking down on us, even the black women right now. Yes, and I'm not saying all of them, but uh, they are. They, this I seen a woman post on Facebook or one of the social media the other day saying, "Are they tired? Are you, is there any good men out there? Because I'm, we're tired of leading. Like, what? Who are you leading? Like, because I, I, I don't, I don't follow. I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. I'm a black man, I feel like I need to lead. Uh, and and I, I'm not one of those guys who gonna be dominant on everything because I feel like in a relationship it takes two people, and but it starts with us, the black man. We got to get that back. We got to come together. We got to stop killing each other, and and portraying that black on black crime that people are always talking about, um, which is what happened at the Oscars. Will slapping uh, Chris Rock. That was a black on black crime. Um, that was an image that was put out there that the whole world see, like you said. And we have to stop that. We have to look in ourselves and say, look, you know, this is a black man. I'm a black man. I have a family. He have a family. We both need to make it home to our families and protect right. that. And, you know, because you can see other cultures are always on code. Always. White people make sure they get along with white people, no problem. They might... You know, they might have their own differences and whatnot, because there's always for, for men, there's always that small underlying threat of violence anytime we have a conversation. And, you know, disrespect is handled more diplomatic, it, whether it's business or personal life. You always have to handle that disrespect or that business in general in a more diplomatic way. But as far as white people getting along with white people, they can do that no problem because they see another person that looks like them. Same thing with Hispanic people. Asian people, Middle Eastern people, whatever. Everybody is on code, and I guess that stems from their culture. But if you look at our broken black culture, we don't necessarily know what today's code is. And if anything, we need to develop it. Do you think there's been... What do you think our music has to do with that? Our music is not our own. Anytime it was our own, it ended up getting smited down or pushed away by other, uh, by the money. Because at the end of the day, if I control the money, I control the media. If I see Rockus Records just coming up and I control Def Jam and I don't like the image that Rockus Records is putting out because it's giving too many black people hope, then I'm going to destroy it. If I, if I see a, a brother named Jaber the Damager coming out with music talking about hood life and how it's affecting our black society and how to get our minds back in order and stop uh, stop being dumb, deaf, and blind. If I'm a larger company, I'm going to squeeze them out. And that's what happened. And if you look at our media now, um, even, during the, even during the Wu-Tang era, a majority of people that listened to Wu-Tang were white. So everybody want to be black until it's time to be black <laughs> so right. i say that because um when it comes to hip-hop 
still a majority of people listening to or I, it's not even really hip hop anymore. It's mm. that's another that that's is. another topic. But but nonetheless, a majority of listeners are mainly white. So you have white people listening to a lie. And you have and black people also listening to a lie. Right. And that's the image is portraying. And that's exactly why I say that's exactly why I say what you do you think about the music because the lie that they're listening to is what they're believing is real mm-hmm. and that's the image that they're seeing of, of us mm-hmm. the majority of white people listening to the rap music and they're talking about beating women and selling drugs and killing people and that's what they're hearing that's the image that they see that's that's all to me what i'm saying you know. so huh. Oh, man. We we gotta. But the, you're the right. Only, we don't the, control that either. Yeah, exactly. The the only way to even get back on code is if I don't know somehow there was gonna be a another million man march part two or part three because I think there was a second one. But nonetheless, like black black men or black society in general. No, no. Let's specifically stick with black men. I know there has got to either be some grassroots or some niche groups or some groups that have established something out there but as far as us finding them that's what makes it a little bit difficult it's almost like you got to go out into the society in order to look for it but it's it's the new underground railroad because we're trying to save our image but we don't know the path and we don't know how to get there it's almost like we kind of have to to wait until the conductor shows up and says yo follow me we're about to change some things. We need a conductor. Yes. And we don't have that. We don't. And that's the thing. We don't have that. We don't have a. I would be a conductor, but I don't have a platform. I have a podcast, but I don't have the reach like the Jay Z's and the and the people who's out there who's got the followers and. We don't have enough black men that's in these high places or or who have the reach to come out there and just bring it all together. What what I mean what what does that look like? The conductor can't be a celebrity. Because Malcolm X was right whenever he said that the celebrity is the puppet of the uh, controlling white society. And if anything a long time ago it used to be just white society now we are actually dealing with a different type of society we're dealing with an upper class society we're dealing with the green society he who has the money makes the rules or the golden rule he who has the gold rules we are behind financially when it comes to black wealth and building and investing um but as far as those upper echelon black people that are out there, how do you know that they have the best interests of black people in mind? I could easily say something. I could easily go build schools and everything. But you can't necessarily say you support black society and then turn around and you're bad mouthing black society or, you know, downing black men or or applauding what Will Smith did and saying that you support the black man. It's like you support selective black society. Even Don Lemon messed up one day, uh, and he said that not everybody can be part of the black life. It wasn't exact phrasing, but he 
his wording specifically targeted certain black people by saying like, we can't, to some to the degree of, we can't accept all black people because, you know, there's the rough ones out there too, so we can't really accept them. I wish you could remember the exact phrasing, mm. but, you know, the, um, the black channel talked about it on, on YouTube and, uh, you know, I try to listen to a little bit of everything on both sides. Can't stand Roland Martin though, but the Black Authority, the Black Channel. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I listen to I listen to O'Shea Duke Jackson, Abba and Preach. Um, and granted, it's a lot of manosphere focused uh, content, but you know, just because you listen to Black manosphere content doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with everything. You're just trying to get the perspective of. Uh, your fellow brothers out there because you will not find that perspective on open media because it doesn't exist right but yeah we need a conductor and it can't be it can't be somebody who's got the money and and utilized it for the betterment of the money and the money only it's got to be somebody who you know starts from the bottom and then works their way up that's just how I look at it but one other thing we also need to realize is as black society, you know, after handling our business in more diplomatic ways is realizing that there's a time and a place for everything. Right. You know, just because somebody bad mouths you or bad mouths the person that you're with or, you know, tries to bad mouth your family doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stay there. Uh, on a more simple level, uh, I can give you an example. Um, when I went to lunch recently, I went to uh, American Deli, right? And it's Asian owned, but it's mainly has a lot of uh, black employees there. Mm-hmm. Me, I usually try and treat everybody with respect. I go in there, I order my food, say thank you, I leave. Uh, the last time I went, which will probably be the last time I'll go in general, uh, at least to this uh, this location, I don't know about others, but nonetheless, last time I went, there's a overweight black lady behind the counter, and um, she was on her earpiece, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, her weight, her, her appearance didn't really have anything to do with it, but it's just like the stereotypical image you get of the black woman that's got the attitude is somebody that fits that appearance you know it's like got the overweight thing going on got the air of superiority the eyelashes so on and so forth right and i'm not saying anybody that does that all the time is bad it's just it's just a stereotype that's coming off and she's fitting and portraying the stereotype because when i went in there and i placed my order she didn't even say anything i'm like okay she pointed at the card machine put my card in Ripped off the receipt, didn't even get the number, and the whole time I'm hearing something like, "Shit, they got me fucked up over here. They got me. I've been working here all day." I'm like, "Huh?" And then she turned away. She didn't even. She didn't pay me no mind. It was almost like I wasn't a patron there. You know, it wasn't like I. It felt like she didn't realize I was there to help support the business that puts money in her paycheck. Yeah. And by the time I got done, I said appreciate it. I walked out. It kept it, it kept it simple. Appreciate it, and she said, "You too." So, I, I guess what I'm getting as it feels, it's already bad enough. You're not being taken serious, 
but it feels 10 times worse whenever you're not being taken serious by somebody that shares your same reflection. And, right. you know, that's where you got to realize there's a time and place for everything. And I say that because I'm not going back. I'm not. Well, they lost my business. See, that was two things there for me is that that's just inappropriate professionality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not being professional in the right place. But the fact that the, the, the stereotype you just drew up, you know, the black lady, overweight, why we have those type of stereotypes on people? Like, that's, Media. that's Media. yes, <laughs> yes, that's Lizzo. There's so <laughs> many, exactly. You, 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 you give these, you put these images of stereotypes for people out there, and then when you see somebody who looked like that image, you equate that image with a certain type of personality or attitude. When necessarily, when you find a person, or when you come across a person who don't fit that description, you'd be like, ooh, I didn't expect you to be like that. Well, I mean, that's normal person. Because everybody's not like that based on the stereotype that they have for, right. for different people. They say black people like watermelon and chicken. I don't eat watermelon. I used to. I ate so much as a kid growing up because I grew up in the South Georgia, but it has nothing to do with me being black. It has all to do with me eating it as a kid and don't like it anymore but you know it's just this image of of stereotypes of people that that out there because for example in that scenario has she looked any different would you expect it a different type of personality you know and, and that's where the media programming comes in at because right. even I'm affected by it because in my mind I'm already like because there's, yeah. there's, it's a double-edged sword. Um, right. Because the people that accept that and they try and portray it, they're pushing that image out. And then the people that see it and refuse to accept it and don't like it, expect that from that image they see. I'm more so of the latter because, and I've been wrong at times. I'm, willing to, I'm easily willing to admit that I've been wrong. Because I'll give people, I'll give people a chance to at least show me their personality, um, even though I may see the judgment. And I think uh, the other thing that it didn't really stand out until I started getting treated that way, and that's what made it worse. Because unfortunately, that programming is like, oh, okay, oh, she wanted them. Okay, I got it. Yeah, she treat me. Yeah, I see it now. That's how the programming works, unfortunately. Just like I've met people who have like, uh, they wear wigs or weave or whatever. You know, they may have long eyelashes and they'll be some of the chillest and coolest people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the programming that we, we are caught up in to the point where um, it controls what we think and how we interact with people as well. You're judging people before you even get a word out your mouth. Right. You know, you already come with expectations of what a person should be like when, you know, you haven't given that person a chance to actually be who they are. Right. And unfortunately, it's like it doesn't, the attitude doesn't just pertain to somebody that 
looks or dresses like that. Cause you know, there's people that can dress like that and they can be the sweetest people you'll ever meet. Just like there's people that'll look like the most well-established, um, quote unquote, civilized people well put together and they'll have the nastiest ass attitude. So my, I think my problem is I kind of, when I'm in public, I just kind of focus on getting from point A to point B. I don't really make a uh, small talk and I usually reserve my judgments to myself, but the minute that I'm caught up in something, if I look up, it's that programming. I'm like, oh, this is why. Okay. And I know part of that programming and part of that stereotype comes from the fact that the training that comes along with it, be it on the side that refuses to accept it or the side that does accept it, is it's blatantly obvious because if you're a person that's willing to accept that lifestyle, you're you're on that that boss bitch shit. You know, you, you bad. You know, this is how you're supposed to act. You supposed to, people are supposed to follow you. You're the leader. Other people can't lead. Right. And that that also gives you that personality to where it will deflect people from you. But if you're deflecting people all the time, do you really think that you're a person who is providing a positive image to society? Well, keep that going because I'm going to ask this question. Like what happened with Will and um, Chris Let's say that they were not at the Oscars and that happened. And people, we, we know there's been people get killed just like that, just for what happened with them too. Like, keep my wife out of your name. Instead of being a stop, it being a gunshot, somebody shot and dead, right? Right. And proxy violence. Right. So, with Georgia passing this new bill that they just had, but out there about being able to carry a gun, carry. yeah, without having a permit, which means now you got more people out there carrying legally who ain't had a background check and all of that, um, who could have mental issues they're dealing with and stuff like that. I'm gonna need you to come back for that show because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's on the docket. Because trust me, um. Yeah, we'll narrow it down to uh, we'll get straight to the brass, right? Narrow it down to Chris Rock and Will Smith, yeah. and let's just say it was on the street and now it's a situation. That would have been a, a worse situation. What it was is what I was getting to. There's the it could have potentially yes, yes, potentially if it was on the street, but with both players being the same way that they are, Chris having his his issues will having his I honestly think that it probably would have ended up on world star which I still call the downfall and the bane of black society but nonetheless I mean it's black media and mm -hmm. it's out there and that's what people see uh, it would have been recorded I think Chris would have been more embarrassed than you know than what he is because it's one thing to see yourself on um, 
a global scale on a international show. But it's kind of another thing where you're entrapped in a bubble in your own society. And now you've got people in your neighborhood that you mainly frequent every day seeing you on world star hip hop of all things. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing great about that. You know, if anything, that's a, that's a black mark against your name and you're going to start feeling the way. And eventually it could end up to that violence where the brother gets tired of having his name, you know, being called out of his name and being insulted. And then finally, next time he sees Will, he might've had a gun. Right. And then he didn't end up on the news. Another he statistic. Could've. And then Georgia could obtain that gun legally without even having to get a license. <laughs> mm. See, I'm wondering how that's going to work because I know if you have your firearms permit, you can go ahead and purchase uh, the firearm on site. Shotguns, not so much. You don't have to worry about that because you can walk in and walk out and buy a shotgun. But if you walk in and let's say you want to get a Glock 19 or something, you know, because everybody loves a Glock. Um, and I, me- I remember seeing this in 2020 when everybody was rushed to the firearm store, you know, to the to pawn shops, to gun stores, whatever. I walked in, I had my permit, and I picked up my stuff. I even walked out with a uh, with another gun that same day, you know, that I purchased at the shop. Other people, they'd walk in, yeah, I want that one. Okay, it'll be a 13 waiting day, a 13 day waiting period. So, I, I don't know how that's gonna work with um, this quote unquote constitutional carry. All I know is I don't like it because. Like you everybody. said, there's everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody was pretty much armed already. And maybe that's why they're trying to pass it. But everybody does not deserve to have a firearm. And I'm not talking about, you know, the the people that accidentally broke the, the ATF's uh, certain rules or whatever. I'm talking about people that have displayed violent tendencies, mm-hmm. mental instability, so on and so forth in the past to the point where they cannot be trusted with the firearm. That's what I'm talking about. But well, think about how many people who I'm not, I'm going to go further than that because think about how many people who don't carry one because of the fact that it, it's illegal. You know, mm-hmm. if you make it legal, then think about that many more people who will start carrying them on them. You can go places now and be like, okay, I, I'm not worried because, you know, not everybody's carrying one. Even though a lot of people are carrying them illegal now, but that's going to be multiplied when it becomes legal and everybody's doing, can carry it out of question, you know, yeah. without, without the fear of getting caught and having to do some, uh, there's consequences behind it. Well, it depends because just because they're doing away with the necessary need of a permit doesn't mean that firearm insurance still isn't important because you can't just go and shoot somebody and say, I wasn't a right. This is why I did it. You're going to need legal representation. So if anything, I think the main people that if it's done correctly and done smart, I think the main people that will benefit more from that is the firearm insurance companies. But the other party that I would hope would benefit from that is the firearm training uh, sector. Because 
and, I, and I'm guilty of this too. I plan on getting tr more training myself, but nonetheless, the average person that goes out and purchases a gun, they miss two things. They don't get training and they don't have firearm insurance. And I guarantee you, if this, this law passes, that is exactly what's gonna happen. People are just gonna go out, say I purchased a firearm, I'm good. No, you're not. There's a lot more to it. And I can guarantee you there may be an increase in uh, firearm related uh, incidents because the average person who might not be able to control their emotions or walk away from a situation, they're, they have a higher potential of use, uh, utilizing that firearm versus somebody that knows how to de-escalate a situation and walk away. Right. Which brings me to the next, uh, next where we take our narrative back. Every action does not require a response. So you, staying on that topic of the uh, constitutional carry, what keeps me calm and focused is the fact that in the back of my mind, I always remind myself, everybody has a gun. I don't care what, what the actual numbers are or percentages is as far as uh, gun ownership. I just keep in my mind that everybody has a gun and it keeps me honest and in a mindset to just walk away from a crazy situation or try and de-escalate the situation because we've had, uh, you know, we've had firearms discharged on the highway in Georgia, mm -hmm. road rage incidents. I'm not trying to be caught up in that, you know? If I treat it like everybody has a gun already, then I, I know that I'm trying to try my best to, to keep myself safe and keep myself out of incident. And even if we take it away from firearms, um, every action does not require a response. You do not owe anybody a response, especially if they're, they're displaying actions that are beneath you. You know, you gotta take the high road. Because if you don't take the high road, they'll put you on the same level as them. And then you got to deal with the consequences, i.e. you either are going to get into an altercation. You're going to get shot. They're going to get shot. You're going to jail. They're going to jail. So on and so forth. It all depends on the level of escalation. So in my opinion, you might as well just stop it before it even gets there. Right. I agree. And, and, and you know, the best action you can take sometimes in any situation, be it a situation like that or a situation like I was talking about in American Delhi, just walk away. Yeah. Don't patron the place. Move on. Like you got better things to do with your life. Right. I agree. 100. Mm. Walk away is always nothing. I would tell my, my sons, there's nothing wrong with walking away. Mm-hmm. Because it showed that you can be a bigger man. And that's what Chris Rock did. Yes. If anything, he, he kept on going. He was shaking, but he kept on going. You got to applaud him for that. Yeah. Definitely got to applaud him for that. But yeah, I'm uh, talking about what they would have did, but you don't know what you can do in that situation. You know, everybody always talks about what they would have did. It doesn't matter if it's an action movie or the news or whatever. Everybody talks about what they would have did. But... It's real easy to be an armchair quarterback, but when you get put into the game, I mean, what are you gonna do now? Hey! 
This the Black Powder Podcast, let's get it splitting. We got the wisdom hitting targets with a marked precision. We're having fun in the booth, we running gun for the truth. And every future black gun owner was spreading the news. We do illegal, we're moving regal and blessing the people. Some hopes for the culture, we keep it locked like guns in our holster. Holding it down as we're loading the rounds. If they were nervous back then, right. then they're gonna be scared of us now. Black Powder Podcast, we'll be back in a while.